Good morning. I'm Sanaa and you're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. Every Monday morning, I'm joined by experts from across the country who are investigating our most pressing social issues and common curiosities. Over the next hour, you'll learn about their inspirations, motivations, and of course, what they know about the world around us. So grab that cup of coffee and get ready for a fun and insightful conversation. June is Men's Health Month. Established in 1992 by the Men's Health Network, the purpose of Men's Health Month is to bring awareness to preventable health problems and encourage early detection and treatment of disease among both men and boys. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, men in the United States on average die five years earlier than women and die at higher rates from the three leading causes of death, heart disease, cancer, and unintentional injuries. Due to racial disparities in mortality, Black Americans die younger at almost every age. One crucial component of health is mental health. About one in five Americans struggle with a mental illness in any given year, regardless of their race. According to the Health and Human Services Office of Minority Health, Black adults in the U.S. are more likely than white adults to report persistent symptoms of emotional distress, such as sadness, hopelessness, and feeling like everything is an effort. However, men's mental health is often a taboo topic given expectations around masculinity. So to talk more about men's mental health and Black men's mental health in particular, today I'm joined by Dr. Justin K. Dotson of Navigating Courage Counseling and Consultation. Dr. Dotson is a licensed therapist who specializes in working with adult men and couples who are struggling with career, family, stress management, personal identity, relationship, and school concerns. He also specializes in working with men who are experiencing depression, anxiety, fear, or other issues that hinder their ability to live their lives the way they would like to and the way that they deserve. Good morning, Dr. Justin Dodson. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. It's awesome, awesome to be here. Awesome to be here. Yes. So as we were kind of chatting uh, before we got on air, I was just saying how much I've loved watching your own journey and seeing you start your own practice. And it is such a joy to see how you've been using your own platform to really talk about mental health and in particular men's mental health. And so I just knew I had to have you on the show. I appreciate that. I try to take up my little corner of social media and the internet to do what I can. Yeah. Yes, I love that because, you know, one thing that I think um, is really helpful with social media, especially is that people can get exposed to topics that they may not have any other way to kind of explore or, or learn about and mental health being one of those areas, because oftentimes we don't know how to talk about, you know, how to talk about how we're feeling, let alone, okay, am I supposed to seek treat like professional help for this or, or yeah. what am I supposed to do? Yeah. You know, one thing I love about social media is that it allows you, and I've said this before, it really allows you to escape in a world that isn't your own. And so I know you have some people that talk about social media in a negative way where it's distracting. And I recognize that it can be distracting, right? You know, TikTok is so entertaining where you can just scroll, scroll, scroll and get lost. Same with YouTube or Instagram. But it's also about balance. It's also about what you choose to consume in terms of your your feed. Uh, But I think that social media is great. And then also, especially for men, there are more athletes and entertainers, 
Um, I really appreciate the work that Charlemagne the God does in terms of speaking out about mental health. So I appreciate platforms like that and you that highlight what's so important because oftentimes that's where our men, we, we may listen to the radio, we may listen to the Breakfast Club, we may listen to different podcasts that are talking about different issues in the world. And that's where we can get our motivation from. That's where we can get encouragement from. And so I love what social media can do uh, because it's not, for me, it's not the negative, you know, world that a lot of people describe it can be. I recognize there's a side to that, but I also think that there's good in that as well. Yeah, I love that you brought up um, this cultivation of your feed, right? We do get some say in who we follow and what content we see. Of course, we know all the apps are also recommending a lot of things to us. Um, But we also, we do have a say in what we decide we want to consume. And I think that that is so important because like you said, um, social media it, it is a tool, right? And we get mm-hmm. to use it. So how we yeah. use it, you know, is, is up to us. And I love that you mentioned Charlemagne the God because I am a big fan of the Breakfast Club, yeah. and, which is of course how I, I learned about who he was. Um, but really to see him talking about mental health so much. Um, and maybe it's just because I started really paying attention in the last couple of years, but it seems like he brings that up quite a bit in, in the interviews they have. And then also his own, the way he uses his social media. And, you know, maybe people are fans of the Breakfast Club because they like, you know, hearing from celebrities or famous people. But then along the way, they get these conversations and insights into kind of mental wellness. And I love that because you might not seek out, you know, depending upon where you are in your own kind of journey, and personal development, you might not be intentionally seeking out people who are mental health professionals or experts or advocates, but you might be interested in a breakfast club or like you mentioned in some, you know, sports podcast or, you know, whatever. And to see so many different people and particularly uh, men starting to or continuing that conversation or making that conversation public around like, hey, actually, I'm struggling with whatever. Or I remember listening to, again, a little clip that was on the Breakfast Club from some sports podcast. Don't even ask me what, okay, because I'm not even a sports fan. (laughs) Notice the language I'm using. You can tell I'm not a fan. (laughs) But it was professional athletes, all Black men who were talking about how they were struggling, even when they were playing, you know, in the NFL, in the NBA, you know, when people were really looking up to them and seeing them as these celebrities and they were talking about, but inside, this is how it's feeling. And so I think that's so important. Yeah. Well, I think that representation matters. And that's what comes to my mind when we talk about Charlemagne the God or these other notable figures, or even your homeboy that has done therapy, right? So I think with men, we're more likely to invest in something if we see someone that looks like us doing the same thing. Because even if I hadn't thought about going to therapy, here's this person of color talking about therapy and how how it is valuable and how he invested in it. And that may give me the encouragement to actually follow suit and do the same thing. You know, uh, so I think that representation matters in terms of you're getting this, these doses of this is what it can look like to do therapy. This is how it helped me. People are more likely to, to seek that out. And then, you know, I, I think, you know, statistically, we know that over time, men, especially men of color, 
are have been less likely to go to therapy or at least stay in therapy. Mm -hmm. But I would say myself and my colleagues have seen that more men are coming to therapy. Now, sometimes I may get a call from a sister, a wife, a girlfriend, you know, <laughs> a friend introducing the idea, or would you be willing to talk to him, which is completely fine, because as long as the door opens, you know, that's what we really want. Uh, and so I think some men, you have some, some of us that are in that phase of, well, if you find the person, I'll go. Yeah. And then you have others that are, all right, let me just do this while I have the nerve. And I think either, either is fine, because sometimes we do need a little assistance or help. <laughs> but I think as, as much as we can talk about things that we haven't been able to, that we didn't feel like we had permission to, uh, things that we felt like other people would judge us about, because we can talk about athletes or high performing individuals. So that lawyer, that doctor, that CEO, that blue collar worker where I have to provide for my family. I have to hit these certain marks of what it means to be masculine, to what it, what it means to be a man, a father, a provider. And, and that can weigh on a person, you know? And so I think that therapy, obviously I, I am a believer <laughs> in, in it. And and I think men are also investing in other ways, such as the gym and barbershop discussions mm -hmm. and, you know, being learning how to be vulnerable, especially to to maintain healthy relationships. There does take that. So I'm seeing in different avenues between my clients and people that I see online and different people that I meet that that it's definitely becoming more of a normalized activity that we're using to incorporate in our daily life. And I think it's great. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. You keyed on some a few points that I want to uh, bring out more, but I want to start where you kind of finished in talking about how you see men in particular kind of having space to be more vulnerable or talk about a, a wider range of topics, you know, whether through gym or sports or, you know, at the barbershop. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about both vulnerability um, in, in creating these relationships and maybe even having broaching conversations that maybe they haven't before, but also how it might be different in talking to folks at the barbershop or talking to folks who you might play sports with versus in you know a therapeutic setting awesome yeah that's a great question so <laughs> when I think of vulnerability the first thing that comes to mind is trust mm -hmm. so when we talk about being vulnerable that that automatically leads into me being open and in order to me, in order to be open, I have to trust whoever is going to receive whatever I'm bringing. Yeah. So if if I am a partner to a man, am I allowing him to express his concerns without beating him down? Am I allowing him to say he's frustrated or or be angry with me without turning the blame onto him? And I think that that's where safe spaces start with being vulnerable and by trusting people. I think safe spaces also are supposed to challenge us and not necessarily pacify us and just be yes men as well. So mm -hmm. I think vulnerability starts with trust. Uh, and so I think that men in order to do that have to trust whoever that they're talking to. Then you have the ability to have the skill to communicate what it is you're thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, you know, we follow pop culture and, and we repeat you know, in my feelings, right? That was Drake years ago. <laughs> and it became this popular phenomenon. And now when people say that, I always push them to, all right, well, what does that mean? Let's let's tease that out some because we get away from saying in my feelings or oh, there was another popular phrase that I can't think of, but it was from a song, feel some type of way, mm. right? I, 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 
I'm not going to misname the artist. <laughs> and then we, we took that on. So I think trusting, being able to vocalize and communicate what we're thinking and feeling, and then also uh, a willingness for people to receive us. So I think that, that that's where I want to talk about with vulnerability. And then in terms of barbershop, working out, uh, golf course, whatever sport or whatever, I think that those things are great. Those are, those are coping skills that people don't recognize they have. So a lot of the times when we talk about how do we cope with different things, more, more than likely we're already practicing something. We just may not label it as a coping mechanism. Mm. I also recognize that those things are great, but they're also not the only avenue, right? So I've done a barbershop discussion before, and I'm so glad that I was there because sometimes if we're left to our own devices and we don't know exactly how to define terms or define, define things, then we're just left to openly discuss, which discussion is great, but oftentimes you do need some type of direction that's going to mold that thing. I think the gym is great, but if that's my only avenue of, of expressing feelings that I may have, then what else am I doing? Am I able to articulate that? Am I getting feedback from somebody? Is that a community that I've created with other safe individuals? Or am I just going there to show off and, and you know, to express what I think is masculine? So I think that it, everything that we can do can be great. It's also a tool, just like we were talking about with social media. It's how we use that tool that will make the difference. Mm, yeah, that's so good. I really, what you said about the receiving, like when someone actually, maybe we've created a trusting relationship and so that our partner feels comfortable expressing themselves, but are we able to really receive it in a way that is supportive of them versus our own ego getting in yeah. the way and trying to defend or explain or, you know, whatever, when in fact that person really maybe at just wants a space to actually just say what they're feeling or yeah. say, you know, how something affected them. And I think that is so key because oftentimes I do believe we, when someone maybe shares something that, you know, we did that maybe hurt them or that they have a different opinion, automatically we kind of think about it's us, like yeah. there's something about us or is something wrong with us. And so we want to defend or even yeah. sometimes attack, right? Absolutely. And then that breaks down that trusting relationship. And I understand now, you know, how much courage it really does take to tell someone, you know, how you feel or how something has impacted you. Uh, and so just to your point, you know, when someone, you know, gives us, shows us that trust and shows us really the strength of our relationship by bringing to us how they feel or what they think, that's really, I mean, I see it now more as like an honor and to really yeah. protect it and to hold that. Absolutely. To hold that. To, and it's, it's how we look at things. So when you were saying I may take, be offended by something that you said, and we oftentimes in communication, we often, we absorb what someone is saying as our own, but it's really theirs. It's really theirs. And so if I say, if you and I are in a relationship and I say, you really made me angry when you did this mm -hmm. and you respond by bringing up something a year ago and, <laughs> and you know just talking about something that made you angry then you make it about me and you no longer honor my feelings mm -hmm. so what am I going to do I'm going to either shut down and I'm not going to tell you anything because now I, I believe that I can't trust being honest with you 
I'm going to lie to you Mm -hmm. so that you don't have that opportunity to do that to me again, or I'm going to go find someone else to talk to about it. Yeah. Sometimes that may be good. Sometimes it may not be right. So we have to be cognizant of how we respond to people in times where they are giving us a gift. Being honest with somebody is giving them a gift. They're giving you their vulnerability. What are you going to do with that? And I think it's so important specifically for our males. That's why I I am passionate about working with males because we often don't have those spaces. You know, no matter, I always joke about clothing stores. You go in a clothing store and the women's department is the whole store and then men get this small corner. (laughs) I think that also translates to many relationships where, you know, even the saying happy wife, happy life opposed to happy spouse, happy house. Right. I think that that shifts the dynamic of being more inclusive for one, and then also teaching people that both partners, it, it, it's worth both partners having happiness and, and, and the ability to share with one another, not just one sided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I'm so glad you said that because I think for a lot of men, um, you are taught that your happiness doesn't matter not even that it comes second or third or last but that that what is men's happiness like there isn't even you know a lot of language to talk about that and I'm so glad you brought up you know just a very common common phrase that people say right happy wife happy life and but that just shows you how ingrained it is in our culture that this is what we think um, about men's happiness right Right. it doesn't even exist Um, and so I'm so glad that you said that because I do believe that that men deserve to be happy all people right we should be happy have some sense of joy um, in this world Uh, but how do we create those spaces right Right, for men so that they feel like their happiness is valued, that their happiness is important and listening, right? When men do give us that gift of their vulnerability, you know, really receiving that gift as the gift that it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and part of that is, even when I, when I work with, with males in therapy, I often ask, how do you define manhood? How do you define vulnerability? How do you define masculinity, right? So I think that my definition of something is going to be different than yours. But if I define something this way, how am I then meeting those expectations to live up to that thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I read an article recently about this. I think it was the CDC that um, that posted this, but they were talking about men being able to express themselves. That's it. Mm-hmm. Men being able to e- express themselves over the height of the pandemic and what that looks like and how likely I am to receive services. I think you mentioned something about that in your intro. So are we creating these spaces and what do those things mean? Are we defining things correctly? And then often a lot of men will learn from generations ahead of them, Mm -hmm. whether they had a father figure or they didn't, that represents something. Parents represent what we want to be, what we don't want to be, whether they're present or not. Uh, And so if I am learning I'm not even going to use the word toxic. If I am learning (laughs) skills and beliefs that aren't going to be conducive to how I want to be as a man, Mm -hmm. then it's up to me to figure out how I want to change that. But then how do I do that if I'm also with somebody that won't allow me to do that? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that there's this balance and we get to rewrite a narrative as we get older as men where, all right, I don't, I don't, uh, I saw my uncle cheat on my aunt. If that was my father figure, or he taught me to do this and do that. 
uh, I think I want to hold on to these values. I think I want to do this different, right? Because this feels more natural to me and it's completely okay to do as well. We have to give ourselves permission to do something different. Mm, yes, permission to do something different. Yeah. I love that. I was recently in a, a, a training and the facilitator had us write out permission slips to ourselves, mm, nice. like something that we give ourselves permission to do differently or to really embrace. And, you know, she was like, keep this permission slip with you, you know, use it as your reminder. And also the reminder that, you know, we give ourselves permission. We don't need to have someone else's permission, but we can give ourselves permission to, yeah. again, like you mentioned, you know, do something a little bit differently, rewrite the narrative. Um, and I think that is very empowering that to know that we can do that. Yeah, absolutely. We have more control and more agency over ourselves than what we think we do. Um, you know, if you, if you sign that permission slip in, in fifth grade to go on this field trip, you know, you had no business going on. You can now give yourself permission to feel a feeling and, you know, allow that thing to come up and, and how it's going to come up and, and learn how to express that in a way where it's not detrimental to yourself or other people. Because And I say that because what comes to mind is I think with men, we often think about anger um, in terms of, oh, he just gets mad and I don't know why. But we're also not defining that when, when we get angry, it's because our boundary was violated. It's because I, I perceived a threat. It's because my needs weren't being met and I may not know how to vocalize those things. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I remember breaking this down with somebody recently. I said, all right, well, what happened when this happened? And we just basically followed the pattern of behavior. We followed the thread and it came to, I reacted explosively simply because I felt scared. And I didn't know how else to express that. So then it's rewriting the narrative of, all right, let me go back to the beginning. What triggered that, that emotion? And then, so it's a really basic cognitive triangle. What, what triggered that thought or that, that thing? What was the emotion that followed? What was the behavior that followed? Next time, how can I do something different so that I don't explode, um, even though I may still feel the same feeling? Mm, yeah. I love that. And what you said about how can I maybe, you know, act differently, behave differently, or have some different outcome, even though I may still feel that same way. And yeah. I think that's important. Like, yes, we can still feel whatever that emotional response was. It's not about suppressing the emotion, but rather right. what can we, how can we allow space for that emotion to exist, but also in our response as you mentioned, respond in a way that is really supportive or conducive to who we want to be or the type of, you know, relationships or environments that we want to be a part of. And I think that's key in that it's not about suppressing or denying our emotions, no. but identifying what the emotion is. Like in that case, it was fear, right? Scared yeah. of something. It wasn't simply just anger, right? Yeah. But deciding, okay, when I feel this way, which is fine for me to feel this way, what can I do that's not simply me exploding that also still doesn't get my needs met, right? That fear isn't even gone, right? It's not being, you know, kind of resolved or soothed. Yeah. Uh, now we've created something else that has to be Exactly, kind of that needs to be addressed, right? Because now I've created a different concern. And you're right, feelings don't, they're not meant to be suppressed. They're meant to be felt. <laughs> that's why it's a feeling. And it's <laughs> just how we 
respond to that because anger is not a bad thing. Fear is not a bad thing. Sadness, they're not bad things. Emotions and feelings, they give us information and we get to decide what we do with those things. And I love working with men because oftentimes, not all the time, I don't want to overgeneralize, but oftentimes it's a whole new world to identify feelings, put labels to it and figure out what you want to do with it. And, and I love opening that up for, for the men that I work with, even in, in couples therapy, um, because it's a whole new thing. Because growing up, I couldn't express yeah. my feelings. It was suck it up. Boys don't cry. Boys don't do that. And I, I always wonder, well, what do boys do? What do we get to do? Then? <laughs> if, we, if, if I can't feel a scrape on my knee and cry because I'm in pain, mm-hmm. what do you think is going to happen 30 years later when my partner wants me to be emotionally present, but I have suppressed this for so many years. Mm-hmm. Mind-blowing. Uh, but I, I think that that's where therapy comes in. That's where, you know, coaching comes in because we get to help explore a whole new world that will hopefully take us where we want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I love that. Well, let's take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. We're here on Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm Sanaa and I'm here with Dr. Justin K. Dotson of Navigating Courage Counseling and Consultation. And we have been having a great conversation about feelings and emotions and therapy and why it's such a gift when the men in our lives um, open up to us and express some vulnerability and how we can be more receptive to that. Um, I, I love what you said before the break, which is that, you know, really emotions aren't good or bad, right? They're giving us information. And I love even that reframing of it because I think a lot of us are taught that there are quote unquote good emotions or there are quote unquote bad emotions. Um, But yet if we see them as information, right? Giving us information. um, I think that's a different way for us to think about it and maybe a way that then allows us to be more comfortable with, you know, feeling our emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even when I feel anxious, I always teach people that anxiety is fear. I'm fearful of something. So even when I feel anxious, I've had to recognize times in my life where I felt anxious, whether it was before a test or a presentation or, you know, a performance. Okay. All right. What is this? These butterflies, this, this feeling and and anxiety resides in people's bodies differently, right? The physiological response, it, it, it just depends on the person. All right. I'm feeling anxious. Why? Where is this coming from? Ah, okay. I'm scared to do this thing because I'm scared to fail. I'm scared to be embarrassed. I'm scared that that it won't go well. Okay. What do I want to do with that feeling? Do I want to sit and do some deep breathing? Do I need to go to the gym to work that out? Do I need to sit and listen to trap music? You know, what do I need to do to help me calm this so I can overcome that? So that's where the coping comes from. And then also, positive Mm self-talk opposed to beating myself down. Let's have a growth mindset and expand that. And what could come of this? Mm -hmm. I'm here now. And it's this part of acceptance and working through the anxiety so that I then can execute. Um, But we do have, we have anxiety, we have fear, we have frustration, we have 
joy and happiness too. You know, there's there's also some peace in life uh, that we can often experience if we get to be vulnerable, if we get to have safe spaces, if we get to be challenged, mm-hmm. and and if we just get to express ourselves in a way that feels naturally. I think that that will make the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like what you said earlier um, about these safe spaces, about having that trust, right? And that vulnerable, the vulnerability to be able to say what you think and feel. Um, and it made me think about something else you said about even being able to identify what it is that we're feeling, because mm-hmm. oftentimes we... We don't even know, like we don't even have all the words or the language to really be specific in what it is that we're feeling. And I remember listening to something that Brene Brown said Mm -hmm. about how, you know, if you don't have kind of the right words to describe how you're feeling, then when you share kind of what's going on, the person who's listening, you know, you might say anger, but it's not really anger, right? Again, to your example that you're feeling, it's really fear. But if if I'm if I hear you say anger, now I'm trying to address anger and might be coming up with solutions that aren't really appropriate for that. Yeah, yeah. and I think that, that that's a great point. Brene Brown is truly great. <laughs> I also think that that's where therapy comes in. And I think that that's, that's, that's one of the main differences because I may be able to vent to my homeboy. I may be able to vent to my, my you know, cousin that I've always looked up to, which is great. And they probably will offer some valuable feedback. But I think what therapy does, and I'm going to advocate here for a second, is that even if I may not have the language to label something, a therapist is going to help me put that together. So my job is going to help reframe what you're saying, identify exactly what you're saying, help you find that emotion and help you figure out what you want to do with that. So the if, if it works the way it's supposed to work, you should leave with some skills of what am I going to do the next time this thing happens? Because I think sometimes people people get confused that therapy is supposed to fix everything and that I'm never going to feel anxious or scared. No, it is teaching you where this is coming from. And what do I do the next time this does happen so that I can cope a little bit easier? So even when we talk about trauma therapy, trauma isn't trauma therapy or addressing trauma doesn't mean that I'll never remember this again. It means that I will learn skills that are going to alleviate my symptoms that are associated with this trauma reminder or this trigger that may set something off in me. Mm-hmm. So if, if I every time I see the color blue and I'm triggered because something bad happened two months ago or six years ago, if I address that, then I get to figure out, all right, when I'm around the color blue, I recognize that's a trigger. When I'm around that color, what do I need to do to, to calm myself? Who are my safe people that I can trust in? You know, it gives you these the steps and how do you use yourself as a resource, even if you can't get to that thing that, that really helps you? Because I may not always be able to go to the gym if I'm in a crisis situation. I mean, and always be able to call my spouse or my best friend when something's going down. So then how do I use myself as a resource and the skills that I have to help myself get through that? Mm, Yes. Uh, Yes, please advocate for therapy, right? (laughs) That is why we're here this morning. Um, And I I love just how you, you, you know, brought out the 
importance of therapy, the benefits of therapy, right? It's yeah. not simply just chatting with someone and, and, you know, like having a vent session, but as you mentioned, you know, walking away with some actionable skills that you can put into practice. Um, and also even walking away with a reframe for how you may have been interpreting something that has happened. Um, and I think that's so valuable. I remember I guess it was maybe a few weeks ago, I was, you know, in a therapy session and, you know, talking to my therapist and explaining to her why something was always going to be the way it is. Mm. And, you know, she just so calmly just looks at me and is like, so that's a limiting belief that you have. And uh -huh. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I did not come here for you to do this to me today. <laughs> I was but, like, uh, okay, you know what? I, I'm just going to leave now. You're right. Yeah, you know what? Don't even worry about it. <laughs> but Look, that is I, so true. <laughs> that is so true. Yes. Ourselves. So kudos to that person because we can't limit ourselves to it when we overgeneralize. Well, my partner always does this. You know, my, my friend always does this. Hmm. Okay, well, let's figure out what you want to do with that. Is it true that they always do this or that they do it enough times that now you're bothered by it? Mm -hmm. um, do they do that enough times that make you feel unsafe or not heard or seen? And what do you want to do about that? So yeah, we can vent for a few minutes. And then what are we going to do about that? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And that's why I love, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, um, deciding to actually go to a therapist and into that therapeutic relationship has been, you know, one of the best decisions of my entire life, hands down. Um, and, you know, again, to have someone who it's not just simply, oh, you know, gossiping or, or catching yeah. up, it is saying, okay, this is something that happened maybe in the present or even decades ago. And yeah. having someone who has the expertise and knowledge and skill set to help me kind of sift through that, uh, you know, and also how to now think about it or handle it in a way where I don't have to be trapped in this moment that happened you know, last month or 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah. And, and, you know, therapy, especially for me, it's, it, you're not soft. You're not weak. There isn't, you know, white people don't just go to therapy. Certain races don't just go to therapy. Therapy can be for anybody because when it's all said, we're all human. Mm -hmm. And I recognize specifically for men of color, I recognize the distrust in medical and mental health entities. I recognize historically looking at his, you know, looking at our past, why minority males don't trust certain people and entities. I get it. I get it. I'm a minority male. I understand. I also recognize that helping ourselves is the best thing that we can do because if we help ourselves, we have sustainable relationships we get to then rewrite the narrative for our children and our nieces and our nephews and our family members. And, you know, a lot of men of color are pillars of their community. So they're doing something where someone else is looking at them. I mean, hey, you're a minority male, people are watching you anyway. So, you know, we get to do something with that. So I, I love when uh, men reach out to me um, to want to start that process, but also recognize it takes courage to not only a recognize, all right, I need to do something different something's going on, whether somebody's pushing me or not, if I recognize I want to do this, recognizing it, making that, looking for somebody, then actually making that call, I recognize that's a stepped process mm -hmm. that people get to. So I don't take it lightly 
when people give me the gift of trusting me to walk through that with them in a collaboration, because it truly is. I don't have all the answers, neither do you. So we get to collaborate together to figure out what's going to be the best thing for you. So um, it's it's so rewarding that we even get to talk about this today, right? And and we don't have to be scared of what the outcome is because it's it's the world we live in today that therapy is completely okay to, to do. And another point, I, I tweeted this a while ago, but if men were as, um, if we were as loyal to our therapists as we were to our barbers, right? We, we are not gonna cheat on our barber. We're gonna go every week or every two weeks. We wanna stay clean, fresh. It's that good feeling. If we did the same thing with therapy, just imagine how life could be different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I, I love that analogy because going to the barber is a routine practice, right? It's just simply what you do. Yeah. And therapy could be that same thing, right? If you think about it in that way and it's, and get, you know, step outside of all uh, the, the stigma, right. Or the misconceptions around therapy, yeah. um, Therapy too could be that routine practice, right? That's just simply part of, of who you are. And I love that you really, you know, kind of detailed some of the stigmas or some of the barriers that men and particularly minority men and black men face when going to therapy. You know, there are these ideas of masculinity that say, oh, like you mentioned before, like, you know, boys don't cry or, you know, just suck it up or deal with it or just even just broader kind of cultural messaging around, you know, that men men's happiness, you know, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, not even that you deserve it or don't deserve it, but like, what is it? Does it even exist? Right. So you're, you're combating all these things. And then not to mention, you know, potential experiences, negative experiences. If you have tried to open up and talk to someone about your feelings, yeah. you know, a trusted yeah. friend, partner, family member, whomever. Um, and so it, there are the, so many moments, right. That, that kind of, either open us up to or kind of close us off to therapy. That's a really good one. I love that. And, and I, I'll take it back to the barbershop. I, re I remember years ago when I was in graduate school in Nashville, when I still had hair, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I went to this barbershop near TSU because I was new to the city. Uh, and so, you know, you got to find out which Walmart you're going to. You got to find out which Target <laughs> is going to be yours, where you're going to get gas. And of course, for men, where you're going to get your hair cut. So I went to this shop and the guy was terrible, hated it. it was, it, I, I was pissed. <laughs> I was, I was really upset. And of course that didn't stop me. I just didn't go back to him. Yeah. Right. So I just went somewhere else because I knew if I was going to do nothing else, I was going to get my hair cut. <laughs> so yeah. if you, if you do have an experience in therapy that, that isn't favorable, it's okay to try someone else. Mm -hmm. it's also okay to, to to process all right why did this feel uncomfortable did I did I not feel heard by this poor person were they not validating my experience and my feelings or am I just really uncomfortable with this but I could still give them a chance because they weren't bad so I think that there's a balance with that mm -hmm. but then also giving the process a chance I remember my first therapist in graduate school it was terrible <laughs> <laughs> it was not a great experience. And, you know, he was near retirement and I had made up in my mind before I went in, I said, I'm going to lay it all out on the line. 
And then I got in there and I just said, nope, mm -mm, I'm going to keep this surf. We're going to stay so surface. It, I'm, I'm at the top. I'm, I'm going to give you the same thing. And, but I also didn't let that limit me because I just knew that that was this, this singular experience. Uh, and so oftentimes when I do get people that call me, I ask, have you ever been in therapy before? And what are your expectations? Because I want to make sure that I, I meet those if they're within my scope of practice. And if they're not, I don't want to waste anybody's time either, because therapy should be a good fit for you and for your therapist. And I think that that's the power of if you're really going to invest in your money in something, you go out and buy those shoes or you go on that vacation, you want to invest in something that's going to be good. So you know, you definitely have to, it's important to have a, a strong therapeutic relationship with your therapist and just be able to go in and let it all out. And then you all get to put it back together. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, I love this idea of expectations mm. um, because just something you said earlier, you know, therapy isn't kind of like this magic wand that that's, you know, rewriting our past or, or you know, whatever. But so that would be, a very unrealistic expectation. So if that's what you're thinking right. going into it, you're going to be very disappointed <laughs> when okay. yes, whatever happens still happened. Right. Um, but having these kind of correct expectations of what therapy is and what it isn't, and even, you know, rethinking these negative expectations, right. Of therapy mm -hmm. as well. So I think that's a key point. Yeah. And I, when I ask people that question, I think I throw them off because Oftentimes I just get, well, I just, I just want somebody to listen and, and I always say, you get to tell me, Hey, that's not quite right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I may try to uh, paraphrase what you're saying. And if you don't think that that's right, let's, let's talk about that. Uh, and so you get to, that's, that's the role. This is a collaboration. So uh, it's not just a magic tomorrow. I'm going to feel better. I have to tell people that you didn't get the way you are overnight. So it's probably not going to change overnight. And the other part of what we don't talk about with mental health and therapy is that doing the work. So if I give you a therapeutic assignment, do that. Because the work isn't just in this office or on my screen because I offer in-person and telehealth. It's what we do in between session that also makes the difference. Mm -hmm. So if, I, if the homework is to incorporate exercise into your schedule and to bring up a topic that's been difficult with your spouse. Let's do both of those things. Let's come back together, report on those. Where were the difficulties? Where were the successes? And let's process that. But if I give you something and you don't do it, and then three months down the line, you're saying, well, I don't, nothing's changed. Well, did you do any of the work? You know, did you put any, any, anything into to this? And so you can also get something out of it. So um, that's, that's definitely important. <laughs> yes, it is a therapeutic relationship. That means it's not just one person doing the work. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. both people showing up and doing the work. Well, let's take another quick break. You're listening to Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM.
I'm Sanaa, and this is Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. Today, we're talking to Dr. Justin K. Dodson of Navigating Courage, Counseling, and Consultation. And we've been really focused on, you know, of course, talking about therapy, the therapeutic relationship, and also thinking through uh, men's mental health in particular. And before the break, Justin, you were really talking about some of the reasons why men don't seek out therapy and some of those barriers. Barriers, um, or even, you know, kind of negative preconceived notions about therapy. And I'm wondering if you could kind of talk a little bit more about, um, you know, about how to find a therapist and even, um, you know, what to expect in maybe a first session um, once you've identified someone you'd like to work with. Yeah, absolutely. So there are a there are countless numbers of search engines. So, you know, you think about Google, I ask Google for everything. Well, there are search engines um, that also help you find a therapist. So it, so psychology today is probably gonna be the most popular, psychologytoday.com, where you can filter out um, the area that you're in because you also, what's important is to find somebody that's gonna be licensed for your state mm. uh, because legislation is passing where an interstate compact is going to happen where we can see people. So I'm a licensed therapist for Tennessee. They are going to pass this compact soon, hopefully, where we can see people outside of our state. Um, but it's also important to find somebody that's licensed within. So you can go to psychologytoday.com, filter out the area that you're in to narrow down those licensed professionals for that area, and then interview people, right? So this isn't just that I got to take who I can get find top three people's profiles where they're speaking to the issues that you may have. You, you, you find a good vibe from them. You see what their credentials are, reach out, you know? So if I'm going to like shopping around, I'm going to shop around for the cheapest deal, right? <laughs> so I may not be shopping around for the cheapest therapist, but I may be shopping around for the best fit mm -hmm. and best fit may include price availability can can are they competent to meet my needs mm -hmm. so i think that that's the first step and then uh, therapyforblackmen.org that's another great platform i'm on that platform as well as psychologytoday.com um, therapy for black girls is another um, platform that men look on because you may want a female therapist mm -hmm. uh, and so psychology today has both male and female therapists uh, and so those are two platforms. Uh, I think being seen is, is another. And so you can also Google platforms or search engines for therapists. So I would start there, make a list of at least a couple of people. And it may just be who reaches back out first mm -hmm. to show interest in taking you on as a client who's accepting clients and also recognizing as a client, do I need to use insurance? Can I do self-pay? So if you see private pay or self-pay, um, that person probably does not accept insurance. So for example, I am a self-pay entity. I don't accept insurance. So my clients are paying with cash, credit card, debit card, or health savings accounts mm. uh, for therapy. And then, so that, that's where it starts. Do I need to use insurance or not? Does this person take what I, what I have to offer as a form of payment? Um, and what's expecting your first session? Information gathering. So you should be able to reach out to a therapist and do like a quick introductory phone call. Anybody that takes you on without knowing a little bit about you and doing an intro call, that for me is a red flag. Uh, and so my intro call is free. It should take us about 15 to 20 minutes just to get to know each other. I wanna know your presenting concern. 
is what you're presenting within my scope of practice? And do you also feel good about me? And in that first session, we're really starting to, for me, look at your goals. We're going to outline what your goals are for therapy, what you want to achieve. And we're going to start working at those things. Sometimes the first session is also going back in time to figure out where did this thing come from and for us to connect those dots. And then I'm going to automatically give you a homework assignment, which we call bibliotherapy or a therapeutic assignment. I'm going to give you that the first session. And then as we go on, we're going to target these goals more and more. And what I've learned about therapy is that people may come for one thing, but by session five, you're talking about something completely <laughs> different, but it still fits because generally there's more underneath there that people just don't talk about in the beginning. Uh, and so it can be a little bit uncomfortable. It can get a little sticky, not all the time, but it, it's possible when you're bringing up things that may not feel so great. So the first session, your information gathering, talking about your background, getting to know each other, building that rapport. And the goal is to leave feeling like, okay, good, I'm gonna come back. And, and this is the person for me. So that, that would be most ideal. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, because I know a lot of people, like you said, it take, there are a lot of steps involved before you get to, you know, an intro call or a first session. And if you don't know what that process is, that can also kind of add to, you know, your fear of even starting therapy. Yeah. And then also if, let's say that, um, let's say that I have insurance, but my therapist doesn't take insurance. I can also call my insurance provider to figure out and learn from them what reimbursement rate would they give for an out-of-network provider. Uh, and so I would be considered an out-of-network provider because I don't accept insurance, but you could find out from your company, you know, how much do you reimburse? And I could provide you with a super bill to see if you can get a refund on what you've invested in therapy. So that's an option for people that, you know, I, I think that it should be affordable, but then it also, you're paying someone's value. You're paying their worth. And therapists go to school for really long. I had 11 years of, 11 years of school, 11 and a half years of school, a license, you know, thousands of hours of training. So you also, you're talking to a professional uh, that, you know, you trust doctors and physical therapists and occupational therapists, trust the therapist to also be competent to provide you with the service that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. that is also key. I mean, working with a therapist, again, it, a licensed professional, someone who is an expert, someone who, again, you're not just chatting, you know, with a friend, you're not just venting, you're not catching up, but you're actually getting strategies that are going to help you get to where you want to go, right? And yeah. so that is very valuable, invaluable um, for, you know, not just the present, but also thinking about the rest of your life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I really hope that, you know, by us talking about this today and putting this out there in the universe, I'm hoping that when people listen to it, it speaks to somebody or it speaks to a partner or a friend of somebody that knows somebody that therapy would be beneficial. And they start that process and that courage of reaching out to somebody because you never know how life could be different if you just invest in yourself a little bit by giving yourself permission to do something different. Yeah. Yes.
it's giving yourself permission. We get to give ourselves permission. Absolutely. Now you mentioned something about, you know, sometimes uh, folks may uh, kind of be that intermediary between the person who they want to go to therapy and, yeah. you know, and yourself as a professional. And I'm wondering, you know, for, for folks who are listening, you know, are there maybe some symptoms that we might be, you know, could be looking out for, for the loved ones in our life that may signal something more than just someone is, you know, not feeling their best or, you know, just having a bad day? Yeah. So I would, I, that's a really great question. I think patterns of behavior are key. So if I'm noticing that, Hey, you've changed up, right. You changed up on me and I don't know where this is coming from. That's something to pay attention to. If every time we're in traffic and you blow up, right. That's something to pay attention to it. Intermittent explosive disorder, right. AKA road rage. If you don't know how to identify your feelings or if you are giving away your prized possessions, if you are um, trying to make amends with people out of nowhere. So, I, so it's a combination of those can be alarming things for everyday behavior. And then you also have behaviors that be, that could be alarming that may lead to either suicidal ideation where I'm having thoughts of harming myself or someone else, homicidal ideation. Um, are my needs being met? Am I, am I living in a way that is unhealthy for me? Am I suffering from oversleeping or not sleeping enough? Am I overeating? Am I not eating enough, right? So it's always so these extremes, the opposite ends of a spectrum of behavior. So if, if I have a sad day or if I get upset, that, that isn't necessarily a red flag that something is going on where life is just falling apart. Mm-hmm. But if I'm having more days where I can't get out of bed, if I'm having more days and I'm struggling with expressing myself, if I'm having more explosive moments when I'm triggered, then I think that those are behaviors and signs that people could look for as a means to, all right, let's let's see about getting you some help. Um, and I will help you if I find the person, will you be willing to at least have a conversation with them? Everything starts with a conversation and, and feeling the other person's energy. So um, those are just some examples of what people could look for. Um, and then also listen to your partner, listen to your friend, listen to that coworker. If they just say, no one ever listens to me mm. or I get so angry when, you know, when this thing happens or if I'm seeing someone on the news get beat up that vicarious traumatization, right? So also paying attention to what we're saying as well as much as what we're not saying is really important. If I work a high stress job and I'm always coming home tired and I don't really have time to spend with my family, maybe he could you know, benefit from talking to somebody to talk about stress management. So everything isn't just suicidal ideation. Everything isn't just depression. Um, you know, you also have stress. You also have adjustment disorder. If I'm maybe recently divorced or out of a relationship or starting a new job or trying to figure out what to do with my career, or, you know, I'm trying to co-parent with, with my spouse, or I am trying to figure out my sexual orientation, or if I'm not having good sex with my partner, you know, there are countless number of reasons why people seek therapy. So I don't think any issue is too small. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Thank you for saying that because I do think sometimes think people think, oh, well, it's not as bad as maybe even someone mm-hmm. they personally know or just yeah. some kind of scenario in their mind sure. out there. Yeah. Um, and so they think I don't need a, a therapist, right? Um, and so knowing that, you know, no concern, no issue is is too small, I think is also might be helpful to someone as well. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, addictive behaviors really important as well. So I, I enjoy working with men that we learn that we have some type of addictive behavior and, and that's important too. So I, I get some calls from people that, that want to address that, whether it's a substance or um, something like pornography or masturbation. I think that that's also important that we don't talk about often with men, mm-hmm. um, that it's worth exploring to figure out what to do with that thing. Uh, if someone is recognizing in you, like, hey, you benefit from going to therapy, want to see what that would look like then. I'll give it a try. <laughs> yes, I love that. You know, that openness, you know, like, mm-hmm. I will give it a try. And I think that's just the first step, just being able to say, you know what, I'll give it a try, right? Yeah. And just to go and, you know, see what this, see what this therapy thing is about, right? Yeah, exactly. What are, what are people talking about? <laughs> right, exactly. What is this that people are talking about? Well, Justin, I want to thank you so much for being here with us this morning. We're right at the end of our time, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to let people know how they could get in touch with you, how people can learn more about the therapeutic services um, that you offer. And if there's any kind of final thought that you wanted to leave our listeners with this morning. Yes, I appreciate that. So it's been a joy to be here with you. Um, So my website is navigatingcouragecac.com. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. I'm going to say, what's that thing called? Instagram and Twitter. It's Dr. J. Keith, K-E-I-T-H. So people can email me, call my office number, or send me a message on Instagram or Twitter as ways to communicate with me. I'm also on psychologytoday.com under Justin Dotson and therapyforblackmen.com under Justin Dotson. So reach out, give a call, take that first step. But my last thought would be continue to put one foot in front of the other, feel what you need to feel and talk to a safe person that is going to challenge you, hold you accountable, and then also validate your feelings. Uh, Yes, I love that. Well, thank you again. It has been such an honor to have you here with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you again to Dr. Justin K. Dodson of Navigating Courage, Counseling and Consultation. What a joy to have him here with us this morning talking about mental health and very much importantly talking about men's mental health and hopefully um, debunking some myths around therapy and around mental wellness as well. June is Men's Health Month, and that includes mental health as well. Well, for today's positive note, I want to leave you with this quote that says, no one else can heal or do your inner work for you, but that doesn't mean you can, should, or need to do it alone. And indeed, we cannot do that inner healing work by ourselves, but let's go ahead and take that first courageous step in finding a therapist. And Dr. Dawson really laid out what that process you know, looks like. 
Well, this has been Let's Grab Coffee on WYXR 91.7 FM. I'm here every Monday morning at 11 a.m. And if you missed part of today's show or just want to re-listen to it again, make sure you subscribe to Let's Grab Coffee in podcast format available wherever you stream podcasts. I can't wait to be back with you again next week.